Support for Old Kentucky Tales comes from the Jackson Purchase Historical Society, whose mission is to promote the interest, study, and preservation of Western Kentucky's history. Partnering with regional organizations to host events and programs, the Jackson Purchase Historical Society welcomes historians from the professional to the amateur to become a member. There are links to historical videos, biographies, archives, and more about becoming a member online at jacksonpurchasehistory.org. Under the leadership of that haughty woodsman, Daniel Boone, a large party set out for the new land, Kentucky. Sounds to be pretty like me. I'm Colonel Harold Sanders, and I'd like to tell you a little bit about my Kentucky Fried Chicken. Have I told you you people are crazy? This is Old Kentucky Tales, the only podcast that solemnly swears that we have never attempted to administer a love potion to the object of our desires. Today's title is Love Potion Number Zero. I am your host, Brent Taylor. To my left is the indispensable man. You thought it was George Washington. You were wrong. Jason Donner. Is that a nickname for George Washington? Yeah, there's a whole book about Washington called The Indispensable oh, Man. books. Yeah. They still do those. Uh, no, not really. <laughs> <laughs> They're dead. Just like everything else that was ever any good. You know, this is the start of the eighth season. Yeah. Can you believe we've done this for eight years? Right. No. <laughs> It's, we call it season, but that's like a lie. Yeah, that's true. It's like three years. <laughs> yeah, really? Yeah, yeah, that, that, yeah it's more, <laughs> more accurate is what you just said. With us today is a very special guest, history instructor at West Kentucky Community and Technical College, specializing in world civilization and African-American history. We're getting that program rolling out. Stacy Watson. In this episode of Old Kentucky Tales, our main event will examine Kentucky's Frederick Douglass, Henry Bibb, and his odd experimentation with love potions. In our bonus material, we'll have the first installment of Darth Lincoln, putting the words of Lincoln into Darth Vader's mouth. And along the way, don't forget to support the fake history sponsors who support Old Kentucky Tales. The products are real, only the sponsorship is fake. It's a great big beautiful cheese. We have the largest cheese in Kentucky. Weighs over 500 pounds. Full cream. If you tried our cheese last year, you know how good it is. Phone your orders at once. 25 cents a pound. C.R. Clark and Company. Cheese. You want me to react to the cheese? Absolutely. Is that it? Yes. Well... Did you do a little research? Because why was the cheese so big? This is how they transported cheese back then. <laughs> they used to make all kinds of these big cheeses. This yeah. one's actually kind of small. I've seen some that are 1,200 pounds, 1,400 pounds. Right, that's how you make a really good cheese. And then you cut off a little slice sure. and go from there. They used to actually do it as a tribute to people that they liked. You did a little research then about uh, cheese. Yeah, yeah. So there was a big tribute to Andrew Jackson. It was a thousand-pound cheese. Oh, in cheese, they'd carve it. Uh, they just gave it to him, kind of like as a present. You're, you know, we really like you. Here's this cheese. We made your head into cheese. <laughs> right. Uh, Thomas Jefferson. He had another one of these these big cheese tributes. Okay, so this is a thing to do. Yeah, they for they, politicians. Yeah, just important people. Yeah, like in this case, it just sounds like but it was cheese. <laughs> right. But this one just sounds like they're doing it for profit, and they're going to cut off a little piece. And, right. And, and, and then maybe town. it's a conversation starter to say that they have a 500-pound block of cheese. Let's go see the cheese mall. <laughs> yeah, and then buy some. Right. I think so. Now for the moment we've all been waiting for. 
The main event. Round one. We have Stacy Watson with us. She's been doing a lot of new programs for us, things like African American history at WKCTC. And we are here to talk about Henry Bibb. He's kind of like Kentucky's Frederick Douglass. So, Stacy, you've studied Frederick Douglass, obviously. And uh, yes. what struck you most about his story? Um, Frederick Douglass is just, you know, when it comes to Frederick Douglass, there's so much to consider. Um, more so the way it, 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 he escaped to um, freedom. I think that's the most part, the, the most interesting part of his story to me is the way he escaped to freedom and uh, his disguise, you know, um, and being able to trick and manipulate the system to his advantage. And I think that's great. I mean, the 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 whole art of it all, the planning, all of the strategic planning, like what we would say today was applied to this you know, grand escape, and it was amazing to see how it was pulled off. I think that was probably one of the best things that I love about Frederick Douglass. Yeah, I agree with that. And that's a nice transition into Henry Bibb, because Mm -hmm. Henry Bibb, the thing that strikes me the most about reading his book is that he was a slave, and he just longed for freedom. It was the only thing that seemed like it was on his mind at most times. And... And it just kind of gives that same similarity. And he's also de- he's describing slavery the same way that Douglas described slavery in My Bondage and Freedom. So he, he really mm-hmm. is kind of a Kentucky version of Frederick Douglass. So we've got this work from him here. And what we're going to do, we're going to take a little look at it. And then we're going to react to these parts of it. There is much superstition among the slaves... Many of them believe in what is called conjuration. That's a fun word, right, Jason? Uh, yeah, I mean, it's printed there. <laughs> At the time, I'm sure that was a real word. What's well, like strategery? It's yeah, that it kind of word, like, right? Like, like conjuring. <laughs> yeah. So conjuration, tricking, and witchcraft. And some of them pretend to understand the art and say that by it, they can prevent their masters from exercising their will over their slaves. So this is kind of some, you know, magic sort of stuff and superstition, like he said. There was another old slave in that neighborhood who professed to understand all about conjuration. And I thought I would try his skill. He told me that the first one was only a quack. He had actually tried this before and it didn't work. But he says, no, no, that guy didn't know what he's talking about. And if I would only pay him a certain amount in cash, that he would tell me how to prevent any person from striking me. So, Stacey, what do you think about that deal? Pay up front, and then I'll give you the secret. So, that already is a setup. I mean, at that point, it's just, we already know that it didn't work before, (laughs) but give me some money, and let's see if this will, you know, try again. I, I don't know. I don't know if I would have been able to just go with that. And then what is it about this potion or, you know, this whole method that's going to stop somebody from essentially abusing me? What do you have to put in this to stop somebody? You know, I, does it just stop you in mid strike? 
That is the perfect question because he's going to describe exactly what's in here. Awesome. All right, here we go. (laughs) This is going to be one of Brent's moments where he gets all uncouth. Oh, you figured me out. Every episode you bring up something to moderately gross the audience out. All right, you're right. Guilty. say the word. Guilty. (laughs) After I paid him his charge, here it comes, Jason. Uh Uh-huh. He told me to go to the cow pen after night and get some fresh cow cow manure. Yes. And mix it with red pepper and white people's hair. So there's the answer. Those are the three ingredients. Right. Manure. Manure. Red pepper and white people's hair. Okay. Okay. So uh, good thing about manure, don't you, Brent? <laughs> like to say that word, manure. Yeah, it's you know, ma, ma is. <laughs> you know, good. people listen to this while they're shopping for food. Sometimes we are doing them a public service. They're driving in their car, eating. Also yeah. doing a public service. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> but my question is: is how are you going to get the white people's here without getting in trouble? Really good question, Brent. You know, he didn't mention that part. I don't. <laughs> I don't know if he found some on the floor. I mean, you, how do you, you do that? How, you have to be skilled to pull that off as an enslaved person. I think so. Uh, now he he um, did work in the house, so it's possible mm-hmm. that there's some hair how kind of m- like, like on the floor and that kind of thing. Oh, okay. Maybe. I mean, I don't. I don't on know. I'm guessing here. He didn't tell us. He didn't tell well, us. Yeah. Go, how about a brush? You go look in the brush. Did they have the brushes brush. back then? Brushes are full of hair. Right. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> Maybe they need like one hair. One And really then how good. much hair do you need? Yeah. It, how do you it, measure the hair? The guy didn't say, so mm-hmm. I guess he had to guess, right? Ah. So now we gotta uh, we gotta formulate it. All to be put into a no. pot over the fire. No, no. You can't be <laughs> boiling that. I'm not gonna say the word anymore. <laughs> okay. Put in a pot over yeah, the fire. Uh, and scorched. Until it could be oh. ground into snuff. So we're going to make kind of like yeah, a super snuff, powder. A super you, powder. Right. Okay. I was then to sprinkle it about my master's bedroom in his hat and boots, and it would prevent him from ever abusing me in any way. After I got it all prepared, the smallest pinch of it scattered over a room was enough to make a horse sneeze from the strength of it. But it did no good. I tried it to my satisfaction. It was my business to make fires in my master's chamber, night and morning. Whenever I could get a chance, I sprinkled a little of this dust about the linen of the bed where they would breathe it on retiring. This was to act upon them as what is called a kind of love powder, to change their sentiments of anger to those of love toward me. So how about that? We changed the anger into love. That's some serious conjuration. <laughs> that is some serious conjuration. <laughs> that That's some serious conjuration. A powder that can shift anger to love. And now, you know, you have to really, you know, be hopeful that this would truly work. As they would say, this is this is the best type of conjuration that any enslaved person could hope for. Yeah. But it didn't work last time because we already know that this didn't work with the quack situation. Right, right, right. Well, this guy knows what he's talking about, though. Don't forget that. Right. <laughs> Henry Gibb, 
Is it Gibb? Henry uh, Bibb. Bibb. Henry Bibb's not saying this will work. He's just relating a story. Right? Yeah. Well, yeah. He at this point in his life, he's he has figured out that it doesn't work. Right. And he's he's basically telling people that this is what's going on. This is what people, yeah, would try to do. And yeah. A good potion is like that, though. I mean, it's got to be some weird things mixed all together. Yeah. Wouldn't just be a potion. Otherwise, it'd be a good idea. Right. One night. And I would think if they. Oh, go ahead, oh, say No, I was going to say, I would think that, you know, it would be better since he's preparing the fires, you know, in the house. It would be better once they started boiling this stuff or whatever they were doing to leave it that way instead of in the powder. Because you can only imagine the smell in the house once they were getting it scorched. <laughs> I, can't, I can't even come close to imagining that. Oh, maybe not. You're the one <laughs> I can, that I can it imagine up, the Brent. smell. <laughs> I, I can imagine the up. smell. <laughs> <laughs> One night I went in to make a fire. I availed myself of the opportunity of sprinkling a very heavy charge of this powder about my master's bed. Soon after they're going to bed, they began to cough and sneeze. Being close around the house, watching and listening to know what the effect would be, I heard them ask each other what in the world it could be. <laughs> well, it's manure, red pepper, and white people's hair. <laughs> After all the while, I was trembling with fear, expecting every moment I should be called and asked if I knew anything about it. After this, for fear that they might find me out in my dangerous experiments upon them, I had to give it up for the time being. I was then convinced that running away was the most effectual way by which a slave could escape cruel punishment. And there is where he crosses over with Frederick Douglass again. That's a strong theme that runs through both of those works. Mm -hmm. And this is kind of a poignant part right here. Sometimes standing on the Ohio River Bluff, looking over on a free state, and as far north as my eyes could see, I have eagerly gazed upon the blue sky of the free north, which at times constrained me to cry out from the depths of my soul, O oh, Canada, sweet land of rest, oh, when shall I get there? Oh, that I had the wings of a dove that I might soar away to where there is no slavery, no clanking of chains, no captives, no lacerating of backs, no parting of husbands and wives, and where man ceases to be the property of his fellow man. These thoughts have revolved in my mind a thousand times. And that's really one of the kind of tough parts about that is, I mean, you know that they dream if you're in this situation, you're dreaming of freedom that whole time. But he got interrupted in those thoughts. My attention was gradually turned in a measure from this subject, so away from freedom, by being introduced into the society of young women. This, for the time being, took my attention from running away as waiting on the girls appeared to be perfectly congenial to my nature. You can understand that, right, Jason? Um, <laughs> well, say it again, Brent. You've got big I'm things going to, on I, in your life. You give me so much paper here. I know. Don't give it to me until like two minutes before. And I'm, that's by design. Yes. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I have to, I have <laughs> you to keep you then. in the dark. Right. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> say it again. Give me something good. It's all green. All right, all right. Markers so, so, everywhere. So you've got this big goal in life. Uh-huh. But then you start worried about love. 
Uh, yeah, it's been known to happen. <laughs> right. That never happened to you, did it, Are Stacey? you saying that love got in the way of better ideas, better plans? <laughs> of course. Maybe absolutely. in this case. <laughs> well, that's... Yeah, absolutely. Brent has trouble relating. I mean, as a he's a self-learning robot, so he can mimic the emotions <laughs> of other, like, real humans. But yes, Brent, yeah, love gets in the way. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Blind, they say. Right. That never happened to you, did it, Stacey? Uh, sure it has, you yeah, know. Uh, for me definitely all the time. has gotten in the way. It's <laughs> just nothing but pure distraction when you're trying, when you have your eyes on a particular goal and then all of a sudden somebody comes into your life and you're supposed to cater to them or something like that. I don't know. Like, enjoy them in their presence. Exactly. And that's what happened to Henry Bibb. This, for the time being, took my attention away from running away. Uh, I wanted to be well thought of by the girls, and I would go to great lengths to gain their affection. I had been taught by the old superstitious slaves to believe in conjuration, and it was hard for me to give up the notion for all I had been deceived by them. One of these conjurers, for a small sum, there it is again, (laughs) every time, small sum. Here comes another potion. Agreed to teach me a way to make any girl love me that I wished. After I had paid him, he told me to get a bullfrog and to take a certain bone out of the frog, dry it, and when I got a chance, I must step up to any girl whom I wished to make love me and scratch her somewhere on her naked skin with this bone. And she would be certain to love me and would follow me in spite of herself, no matter who she might be engaged to, nor who she might be walking with. What do you think, Jason? Uh Well, it's not really a potion. No, not this time. It's, it's, I don't know, a bit of magic. That certain bone, he doesn't say which one. These little tricks, you know, if they really worked, why don't we all know about them? (laughs) <laughs> That's what experts it's are for, Jason. It's just some person out there that you give a few shekels to. <laughs> they say, go take apart this frog. I feel right. bad for the frog. Yeah. Oh, yeah, Ooh. the frog is the real victim here. Yeah. That's right. true. That's true. He was just probably sitting there in love with a toad. Yeah. Give me so, something to work with, Brent. So I, so I got me a bone for a certain girl whom I knew to be under the influence of another young man. I happened to meet her in the company of her lover on Sunday evening, walking out. So when I got the chance, I fetched her a tremendous rasp across her neck with this bone, which made her jump. But in place of making her love me, it only made her angry with me. She felt more like running after me to retaliate for thus abusing her than she felt like loving me. Yeah, I don't think that's what he wanted him to do. Sounds like he took the bone and ran it across her neck. Yeah. Yeah, anyone would react to that unfavorably. Yeah. Yeah, I'm thinking, uh, where's the common sense on this one? I he was just going to sneak up and kind of touch her on the shoulder with the bone and just go away. Sounds like it was harder no. than that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm. This is inappropriate behavior is what I'm saying, Brent. Definitely. You couldn't, do, you couldn't do this today. Yeah, you should run. And you couldn't do it back then either. That was the, the ironic part about it. Mm-hmm. So we're Clearly. Try this. Yeah. Don't forget about the frog, too. <laughs> oh, yeah. The, the frog is a whole different issue. Yeah. 
So she's chasing after him or just um, calling him out on whatever weird thing you just did. Yeah, yeah. Apparently he scratched her. She turned around and said, what is going on here? What's gotten into you? I mean, can you at that point then say, well, I scratched you with a frog because I like you? I think that's your only option. Like this old man told me to do this. <laughs> just got to come right. clean. Hmm. I would definitely want some more explanation. Like, what were you doing? Yeah. And who, why? Who told you this? Yeah. Uh, this guy, I paid him some money and he told me to scratch it. All right. Get your money back. Yeah. That, you know, he definitely needs a refund. <laughs> After I found there was no virtue in the bone of a frog. I thought I would try some other way to carry out my object. I then sought another counselor among the old superstitious influential slaves, one who professed to be a great friend of mine, told me to get a lock of hair from the head of any girl and wear it in my shoes. This would cause her to love me above all other persons. As there was another girl whose affections I was anxious to gain, but could not succeed, I thought without trying the experiment of this hair. I slipped off one night to see the girl and asked her for a lock of her hair, but she refused to give it. Now, come on, Stacy. If someone were to ask you for a lock of your hair, you'd fork it over, wouldn't you? Absolutely not. Jason? What? For what? <laughs> Why would I just give over my hair? <laughs> yeah, there's a, what was that back then? They did do that. Yeah, that's it. They would take it off to war and look at it. <laughs> I think I guess right? it's a reminder, famous, right? You'd want a lock of some famous dead person's hair. Yeah. It's all about their hair. Uh yeah, I don't I don't Yeah, it's personal now. I mean, I guess it kind of smells like them and all that. I Is that it? Just go chopping off <laughs> chunks of my hair. No, it can't be that. It's going to mess up your whole look. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. Believing that my success depended greatly upon this bunch of hair, I was bent on having a lock before I left that night, uh, whatever cost it might. As it was time for me to start home in order to get any sleep that night, I grasped hold of a lock of her hair, which caused her to screech, but I never let go until I had pulled it out. Oh, my. Yeah. I was thinking about the scissors. And, you know, maybe yeah, you can me, sneak up behind right. her and <laughs> kind of do the trick. Yeah, to me, that's a lock. A little, like, two-inch strip of it. Yeah, but but, but by the root? Mm -hmm. This is this is really violent. This is aggressive behavior here. <laughs> yeah, that is. I did, when he first said this, I had no idea he was going to pulling it out by the root. Maybe he meant, like, one. Yeah. Uh, I mean, yeah, he doesn't say how many, but wow. Either way. I don't know. Henry Bibb was nice, right? <laughs> I think he was, he was nice, okay. but he got fooled by all these people. Yeah. This, of course, made the girl mad with me, and I accomplished nothing but gained her displeasure. Such are the superstitious notions of the great masses of Southern slaves. And here's kind of his point. It is given to them by tradition and can never be erased while the doors of education are bolted and barred against them. So that's it right there. This is an anti-slavery book, obviously. And that's one of those points. <laughs> Look, these people need an education, is what he says. Mm -hmm. 
So what do you think, Jason? Um, well, I see the, the bigger point. He's obviously like capturing like the general way um, that they they did deal with superstitious beliefs and kind of tricks, potions, things like that to try to accomplish something or just um, when he did this happened to him, this was him, right? That yeah, he did these things. Yeah. And as a younger person, I'm sure. And just, um, why wouldn't you believe it when, uh, the people that are in your life are telling you, yeah, this, this works. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and that's kind of what he's saying here is people shouldn't be living like this. Right. So what did Henry Bibb go on to do that you initially, this is the part where I make it really serious all of, after all of Brent's shenanigans, shenanigans hijinks. Right. Right. Um, you say he's Kentucky's Frederick Douglass. Yeah. What did Henry Bibb go on to do? All right. So he ran away. He actually ran away several times. It, uh, his story's kind of painful that way. He, he'd run away for a while, then he'd get captured for a while, then he'd run away for a while. He did eventually get to Canada. And that's kind of the big goal of running away back then in some cases, because you can escape American law if you do that. Right, because it would have been the law, even northern states, that um, they have to return slaves to their owners. Yeah, yeah, especially after 1850. There was a, a kind of re-strengthening of those kinds of laws. And so the big thing is if you can get to Canada, you get away from it all. So that's some real underground railroad stuff, right, Stacy? Absolutely, definitely. So the, the main goal was to constantly get to Canada and, um, you know, with the Fugitive Slave Act, just like you were mentioning, you know, you could actually capture someone, you know, anywhere and bring them back south. And Henry Bibb definitely was captured multiple times and brought back even further in, you know, deeper south to experience more cruel punishments and atrocities and being, you know, reunited with his family and then being split up from his family. So there were so many things that he encountered before he actually was able to say, I am free. Yeah, that's a good and point. Then, you know, yeah. He, he wound up in New Orleans at one point, which is, of course, deep south. And that right. was the last place that any slave really wanted to be. Here's a question yeah. that uh, I think some people might be thinking, too. Was there any reason or um, any habit to for a slave to try to go south, to try to go into Mexico? Or was that um, unreasonable, impossible? I mean, why, why not go to a, another country that's uh, closer? Or is that just completely ridiculous? You know what I mean? Why, why not escape uh, further south? Or did they? I have seen a few things about maybe trying to get to a port city to at least get out to the ocean to do an end run around everything. So, I mean, you might do that. Uh, what have you seen, Stacy? Just it's more so getting to other countries that, you know, parts of Europe, you know, uh, where enslavement didn't occur. And once the word got out and other people went to different countries, yes, but not not to, you know, you don't want to go back to a place that was actually practicing enslavement. You don't want to go to Central America. You don't want to go back to South America. You want to get away from, you know, um, being further south. You want to go north. North was always the promised land. And you want to follow 
there because you just never know what can happen when you went south of the border. Right. That's a good point, Stacey, because some South American countries had slavery 20 years longer than America did. Absolutely. And started early and also had, you know, some real, they were brutal, which is where New Orleans kind of picked up their behavior, um, you know, emulating the type of, you know, traits that these Southern places had that were, you know, in South America. Right. Okay. So how Mm -hmm. did that compare to, uh, well, I guess North America to South America, the slave trade generally, I mean, was it equal amounts uh, pursued and, and, you know, the percentage of people that were brought over? Okay. So pretty much the same trade, the same slave trade and, uh, business being done in that way? Well, that varies. There, there's different versions of slavery in different countries. Okay. Uh, the Caribbean, for example, was 90% slave in some of those islands. And that would have been a different experience than what you saw in mainland North America. So, Stacy, what do you think about the, you know, the, those different um, kind of nuances of slavery in different countries? Absolutely. So, you know, with the slave trade, even within Brazil, that was a totally different type of slave trade because you also had different types of resources. So in South America, you had sugarcane and that was very, very popular and you needed to bring in more people in order to work this area. And then in the Carolinas, you're going to have a lot of different people uh, working rice. So, you know, there, like you said earlier, there were different slave trades, but the type of brutality that most of these people experience is really based off of the climate and what they were trying to produce. And then, of course, um, expansion. So when you have us purchasing Louisiana, now we have more uh, people coming in to work this area because now we've expanded you know, the United States and made it bigger. So there's going to be a difference in having more people come into the area versus when it was slowing down and when it was, uh, you know, illegal. Then it went from the international slave trade to now, you know, within the, uh, the country, because now we are dealing with the cotton gin, we're dealing with expansion of territory, and now we have to continue to now trade people throughout the country and move them around the country as opposed to bringing them in from other countries. So it's just, it's, it's a diff, it was a different way of, of getting people around and, and using them for what they were to make the country better. Stacy, you just completely saved this episode. So <laughs> I want to thank you for that. And I want to thank you for agreeing to be on our show today. Thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. Yeah, thank you very much. And sometime in the studio, too, uh, maybe we can explore these topics more. There's so many uh, different parts of it. We haven't talked about this a whole lot on this podcast. It would be great to do that again. Yeah, for sure. Sure. That's in the future plans. Perfect. Well, I thank you for having me, and uh, this was great. This was fun. Good deal. Thanks again, Stacy. Thanks. No problem. Have a good one. Jason, we better pay some bills around here. And this part of the show is brought to you by Dr. Warner's Health Corset. 
with skirt supporter and self-adjusting pads. Secures health and comfort of body with grace and beauty of form. Three garments in one, approved by all physicians. We've had some corset stuff on here before, (laughs) but this is different. This is making health claims. Yeah, we've had some corset stuff. Um, Every show we talk about corsets, right? Uh, Every third show. show, After the show. Oh, after the show. That's a given. It's all about corsets and cinching it up, those shoestrings in the back. Whale bones. We did actually do that recently, I think. Whale (laughs) whale bones. Um, Right, providing that... That support that you want. Uh, I don't know if there's anything healthy about a corset. I think it's the opposite. Yeah. I mean, you're squeezing your guts into the certain shape that the body naturally would rather not. And um, I guess you feel better about yourself, but that cannot feel good. No. But it's for vanity, right? It's kind of like when Elvis put the saran wrap on towards the end of the career. The saran wrap. <laughs> what? That's a real thing. Saran wrap? That's yeah. not going to do anything. For real. I guess if you have enough no, of it. No, corset it all up. I don't care. I'm sure that uh, he had occasion to think, well, maybe there's some artificial way of doing this. <laughs> but saran wrap, you're just going to sweat inside it. Like, you can't even sweat. Yeah. You'll be yeah. dead soon. <laughs> Is that what happened? Um, I don't want to speculate on Elvis's death. It's like, uh, it's only been 45 years. Too soon. Yeah. Too soon. <laughs> Uh, it says it's for health. Okay. Self-adjusting well, pads. I believe that's what we call the torso of the human body. Right. And if doctors approve it, I think you've got to believe it, right? Believe the doctors. Well, her, <laughs> her guts are really smashed together in that thing. <laughs> All right. And Jason, we have got a brand new segment to introduce. We do? Yeah, we call it Darth Lincoln. So you let's like roll Star it. Wars, don't you, Brent? Oh, yeah, I like Star Wars. Hmm. <laughs> roll Named it, Todd. Name your kids after the... Oh, <laughs> roll it, Todd. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> see, it really bugs you to deviate, doesn't it? I'm not deviating what if at a, all. What if someone raises their hand in your class? Does that just drive you nuts? I wait I'm doing and, a speech here, people. If I wait long enough, they'll put their hand down. <laughs> I think they works. Want, well, yeah, <laughs> just talk right over them. Exactly. Yeah, but I got the good mic. <laughs> True. Roll it, Todd. Roll roll it, Todd. You desire peace, and you blame me that we do not have it. But how can we attain it? First, to suppress the rebellion by force of arms. If you are not for force, you are yet for dissolution. There only remains some imaginable compromise. I do not believe any compromise is now possible. Okay, so that was Darth Vader saying Lincoln things. Is that what that was? You've got the essence of the entire segment. Okay. Yeah, you're going to start a trend here online, you know? <laughs> Isn't that ominous, though? It's ominous. If you if you put the, those words in there, he's talking about crushing the rebellion. Yeah. And <laughs> you see similarities there? Yeah, but just simply because it is a rebellion and it's his job to put it down. The black outfit. There you go. Iconic the black outfit. status. The, the big uh, headpiece, right? 
Yeah, they, yeah the black, the, the headpiece, <laughs> right. It's all, it's all this the is what same. you dream about. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But Darth Vader was not nice. No. And Lincoln was good at Lincoln heart. Lincoln was right? nice. Yeah. Good at what? Good, good at, at heart. heart. Good at heart. Yeah. That's what you say when someone's not really behaving nice, but deep inside. Well, there were there were people who who saw Lincoln as of basically course. a Vader figure. Yeah, right. I, I've read I've read accounts where people are worried about being thrown into some kind of dungeon by Lincoln and things like that. Well, sure. I mean, they did get assassinated. Exactly. Right? Isn't that yeah. not to defend John Wilkes Booth? <laughs> Another classic character. <laughs> right. Who's John Wilkes Booth in Star Wars? Because I, I, I couldn't say. He doesn't. He, how does Darth Vader die? Does uh, he die? Yeah, yeah. He, he, uh, well, wait a minute. We, should we be giving out spoiler alerts? About Empire? Yeah. I don't know. I don't know what happened. <laughs> I know he took his hat off. It did not look yeah, like yeah, what he, anybody expected. Yeah, and that and that was the death scene. Yeah, the so death scene. He did. He but did. How, in how, fact, who die. killed him? Son killed him. Uh, yeah, they got into that like that. Uh, oh, I know they battle got into there the at fight. the very I didn't end. Know he yeah. actually killed him. Yeah, and uh, apparently that was kind of like the last of the strength that he had, and and Luke all of that. Luke killed Darth Vader. <laughs> right. Well, I miss the car ads. No, I don't. Eh, we'll have some more at some point. <laughs> you know what I think. I think we should start to get old Todd in on our conversation sometimes. Maybe that could balance out this tension. Ah, a referee. I mean, earlier in here, it was like McCartney and Lennon, like the <laughs> two of you, going at each other, producing this show, no one remembering anything. That's true. And um, maybe, maybe, this, maybe soon we're going to get Todd's voice in here. Ladies and gentlemen, they call that foreshadowing. We have now turned to the final page of this chapter, but it's okay because Old Kentucky Tales never fails to return. You can download even more episodes on iTunes or the NPR One app. That one's good because it's automatic. If you like what you hear, please leave a review or rate us. We actually like that kind of thing. Unless it's a one-star rating, in which case, I don't know. If you didn't like what you heard, then, well, I don't know what to tell you. Special thanks to WKMS, our producer Todd Birdsong, our guest Stacy Watson, the Paducah School of Art and Design, West Kentucky Community and Technical College. Did I forget anybody, Jason? No. Awesome. And the rest is history. History.